I love the Word of God. I love God's Word. I love how real and how powerful it is. I love how practical it is. It's hard for you and I to comprehend because we think in the flesh. We think physical. But the Bible tells us that he sticketh closer than a brother. I'm so glad that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. Matthew chapter 9 this morning. Matthew chapter number 9. Matthew chapter number 9. As you're turning there, you know, there's sometimes in life we lose focus on what's important to God and what's important to us. We lose focus. You know, sometimes I I read it that way and I had to write it on my notes that way because sometimes we say it this way. Man, sometimes we lose focus what's important to us and what's important to God. You ever notice sometimes that's when we say that phrase, when we make that comment, that's how we say it. Sometimes we lose focus what's important to us and what's important to God. When it should be, sometimes we lose focus on what's important to God and what's important to us. Sometimes we love to put ourselves before God. When I think of the word focus, there are several things that come to my mind. A couple words. One word being clarity. Clarity. When I think of the word focus. In other words, you're wanting a clear picture of what is in front of you. I think of the word steady when I think of the word focus. Being steady. I think of the word purpose. Purpose. There's a reason that you want to focus on what you're focusing on. I love to hunt. Hunting's something that I enjoy doing. And I just got some of your attention. It's crazy. You just got a whiplash. I am still going to preach. Don't, don't, don't look back down now. I love to hunt, though, and uh, I love illustrations, and I meant to bring my binoculars. They're in my truck, but I love to hunt, and um, I, always, I always have a set of binoculars with me, even if I have a scope on my gun. I always have, a, always have a binoculars with me. I'll tell you a story. This year, Jackson's sitting down here, and he's like, I told him I was going to pick on him, so here he is. Uh we went hunting this year. I've been watching this one area, and Jarrett was with me in the blind. He was in another stand across the other side of the field. And I told Jarrett, I said, they're either going to come out one or two places. The deer, sorry. The deer, not people, deer. And um, sure enough, I had a camera way back in the corner, and my camera goes off. And I'm, I can't see where my camera's at, but my camera goes off. And um, I look at my phone, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I said, here they come. It's rut season. It's the best time, peak, side, peak time of hunting. And uh, Jarrett's with me. Jarrett wants to shoot something. I don't really care. I enjoy I, I enjoy seeing other people. And um, I said, Jarrett, Jackson, I guarantee you, is asleep right now. I said, call him and tell him. I told him whatever walked out he could have. And uh, he, said, he knows I'm telling the truth. And... Uh, 
I said, call him right now. And he says, no, 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 you call him because I want to shoot if we can see it before he does. I said, well, it's on his side of the field. And sure enough, I called him. He called me and said, hey. He's like, yeah. Said, Are you asleep? No, I'm playing video game. <laughs> and uh, so I said, he said, Uncle Matt said, oh, I see it, I see it. I was like, oh, gosh, it's done, it's over. And I was like, tell him not to shoot. Just, it's two does, just wait. And sure enough, he's got him on, he hung up on us. And I said, Jared, he can't see this right now, but I'm 200 yards away. He's only like 75 yards away from what I'm looking at, but he can't see it. And I said, there's a big buck. And I'm looking at it through my, through my binoculars. He goes, are you kidding? He goes, move out of the way, let me shoot it. I was like, I can't, dude, it's on his side. And uh, so we called him back and said, hey, don't shoot the does, wait just a minute. He goes, oh, I see it, and he hung up. <laughs> next thing we heard, next thing we heard was this, literally. Now, I'm a hunter, all right, and if you've hunted, you know, next thing I heard was, if I wasn't mic'd, I would do it really loud because all we heard across the other side of the field was, I just killed my first deer. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's not on the phone. And I'm like, it's over. I was like, I, I hope he killed it because if not, it's gone. And... Uh, <laughs> Sure enough, man, we were uh, probably about 175 yards away from the deer, and he was probably, what, 70 yards, 50? And we still beat him. He couldn't get out of the deer stand. That's how, that's how, that's how tore up he was. And uh, so anyway, I said all of that, all right? I said all of that to say I knew what was coming because I was focused in on the other side of the field. And it became very clear and the purpose was I did not want him to kill those does because I knew probably what was behind those does because of the time of the season it was. I became focused on what was on the other side of the, on the, other side of the field. You know, the Bible's the same way. As God begins to work in our lives and in our hearts, we begin to understand this next principle. What's important to God needs to be important to me. For instance, our theme this year that Pastor Josh, God gave Pastor Josh, and that he's, he's shared many different times, our theme this year is, who's your one? Um, he's preached many messages. Many of you have invited people already just in the first three months. You've invited people to church, people you've begged God and asked God, God, give me someone. And many times when we get to thinking about this theme, who's your one, we start thinking about the one that we're supposed to go after, the one that I'll go after, the one that I will bring to Christ, the one that, and sometimes, here's what I want to do, sometimes we lose focus, and this morning, I want you to think along these lines. It's not just who's your one, it's I will be the one that will point someone to Christ. This morning, the message isn't about who's your one, this, the, this, the message this morning is more geared towards, are you the one that's going to point someone to Christ? Matthew chapter 9 this morning. Your turn there, I'm turned there. Matthew chapter 9 this morning. We, be, we see here in chapter 9 verses 35 through 38 how, how that Jesus, again, he's on the move in his ministry. And again, he shows us the importance of, of recognizing everyday opportunities. Look with me in Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through verse 38. The Bible says this, 
And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. As I read and studied this passage many different times this week, and kept reading it, and kept reading it, and kept reading it, the Lord kept directing me back to verse number 35, to three words. Very end of the, the very end of the verse, where it says that he was among the people. He was among the people. As you break down this passage, these four verses, everything that he is speaking about is geared around these three words. Let's break it down. I want to show you. Let's break down these four verses and how it goes all around these three words. Look, first of all, I want you to see this. I want you to see his message. I want you to see his message. This isn't my points, by the way. This is introduction. All right? We see his message. Look at verse number 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching, here it is, his message, the gospel. The gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. First of all, we see his message, the gospel. The same message that we preach today is the same message he was sharing with them. It's a little different. By faith, he was telling them of what was to come. We, by faith, believe what happened. But it's still the gospel. It's still the gospel. I love what I love the people who he was sharing this gospel with. Look what it says. It says that he went into the cities, he went into the villages, in other words, the obscure places, and he also went into the synagogues, the religious leaders. It didn't matter. He was going to get the gospel to all who were there in front of him. One older preacher said it this way years ago. I don't know who it's, who, it's kind of anonymous when I looked it up. It said, the souls of those that are the meanest in the world are as precious to Christ as those who make the greatest figures in the world. In other words, the gospel is for all. Christ's message was the gospel. Secondly, we see here in these four verses, we see his ministry. Look in verse 35 and 36. We, read, we just read 35, but look in verse 36. It says, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. His ministry, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. The Bible clearly tells us in the book of Luke that he came to what? Seek and to save those which are lost. In other words, here it is, ready? He put action behind his feelings. He put action behind his feelings. He was moved with compassion, and he shared the gospel. There's a third piece here in this overview as we overlook this. Just these, just these four verses, just give, kind of give an overview. There's a third thing here, the missing opportunity. Look at verse 37. It says, Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the what? 
laborers are few. You see, it was an encouragement that the harvest was plenteous. In other words, many who wanted to hear, but few that will go and share. Some people said this way, my time is just precious. And time is precious. But may I say to you, none of us would have the time we have unless God gave us the time. Jesus is looking for those who will just take their or his time and share. Share. As I read this passage, I just kept seeing over and over and over again the heart of God and what was on his heart. And I couldn't get past verse 35 in those three words. That he was among the people. He was among the people. Then I began to ask myself this question. How can I be effective when I'm among the people? How can my life, me, not, not Faith Baptist Tabernacle, not you, I asked myself the question, how can I be effective when I'm among the people? Well, I wrote these little thoughts down for myself. It starts with me not running from them, but running to them. Don't run from the crowd. Don't run from the people. Run to them. By not staying silent, but speaking out. In other words, you ready? Sometimes that means having the hard conversations. Taking the tough questions. Having those conversations with people. Knowing that today, number three, knowing that today, according to Jesus himself, that today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow. Not let's wait till Sunday. Come with me to church on Sunday. But today's the day of salvation. Church, it's time we understand that God has placed us among the people. He's placed us among the people. Today, I want to just kind of give you really quickly in the next few minutes three things on how we can be effective among the people. How we can be effective among the people. First of all, number one, realize what made a difference in your life. Realize what made a difference in your life. Look at verse 35. And Jesus, I just love that name. I mean, anytime you just say the name of Jesus, it brings peace, doesn't it? Doesn't it bring comfort? And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching. Not a curriculum, not his opinion. He said, I want to give them one thing. If I can give them one thing, it's this. The gospel. The gospel. I love how quiet it got in here. Because I hope it gave you an opportunity to think about your life. Brother Charlie, the gospel changed lives, doesn't it? It changes lives. It transforms people. I know I've done this many times in this very pulpit. And I don't preach every week, so every time I get a chance, I, that pastor gives me, sometimes I know it comes in my message. 
But I'm thankful for the gospel and what it did for my life. Brother Steve, man, I, I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for the gospel. I think about our church right now while we're sitting in here. And the fact that young kids, we don't push it on them, but you know what? Almost every week they hear a presentation of the gospel. The Bible says that we're to plant water and then God gets the increase. The gospel changes lives. When we stop and realize what the gospel has done for us, it should cause us to want to share with others so that they can share with someone. Have you gotten over the gospel? I mean, listen, I, lo- I love Brother Brian. I-, I love the time that he puts into the service schedules. and He, he just doesn't do it. He-, he thinks through it, then he sends us. I mean, he puts time into it. I love our worship. I love what worship does. But can I just tell you something? If I came to church every week and all I heard was the gospel... I think I, could, I think I could enjoy it. <laughs> I know I would. If I just heard a gospel presentation, knowing that Jesus and his ministry, he said, I'm going to go to the cities, I'm going to go to the villages, I'm going to go to the synagogues, and you know what? I'm going to preach and teach the gospel. I think about a lady that just last week, we were praying, we've been praying for. I don't know if she's here, she here today. She's not. It's probably going with her kids on spring break. I know her husband's in the military in Clarksville. She may be over there. But I, I know we've been praying, Miss Amanda. We've been praying for weeks, haven't we, with you and Wes? And been praying weeks, weeks, having hard conversations, hard conversations. And I watched her walk the aisle last week, and she said, I want to know personally about the gospel. Sweet lady, kind lady. And I'm not trying to work on your emotions this morning, but afterwards, about 15 minutes afterwards, I, me and David Wright were standing down here in the gallery. She was different, wasn't she? I've greeted her. I've talked to her. Super sweet lady. Came up to me. She said, I just want to tell you, thank you for praying for me. And I'm like, the gospel. <laughs> Pastor Josh, he didn't do anything to change her life. He just, you know what he did? He shared the gospel. Jesus did the rest. She went to David Wright. Probably had conversation with Brother David before, but she put his arm around. She goes, I know who you are. You're Tracy's husband. Thank you for praying for me. The gospel, it changes people's lives. How can you be effective among the people that you're around? Don't be afraid to have the hard conversations and talk about the gospel. There's a lot of things in life that people go through. But I want to tell you this. The gospel can change anybody's life. Nothing is impossible with God. How can you be effective among the people? Number one, realize what made a difference in your life as a Christian. Number two, respond to the needs of others with compassion. Respond to the needs of others with compassion. Verse number 36, it says... After he was among the people, the Bible tells us in verse number 36, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. Look at, this, look at this next word, on them. On them. I believe he saw between, whether it was in the cities, whether it was in the villages, or whether it was in the synagogues, he looked beyond their 
their, whatever it was, their prestigious look. He looked beyond what they looked like. All he saw was a multitude of people. He just saw people as people. And he had compassion on them. He was moved more with compassion over their spiritual condition more than their physical condition. Isn't it amazing that many times God allows us a physical condition in someone's life to lead to a spiritual conversation? I remember the story of my dad. My dad was my dad's a soul winner, man. My dad loves to go. He just my dad's just he loves to visit the community. He loves to visit the hospitals, and the people in his church know that. And I remember many years ago, I think I was I was just a young teen that my dad came and he we have two brothers. There's three of us, and he would he just he we just knew. When dad came and said, hey, Matt, you're going with me, we just knew that meant, okay, you don't ask questions. And it was my time to go. And he said, hey, Matt, he goes, I want you to go with me. He goes, I got to go make a visit. I said, yes, sir. And so I'd go make, I went and made a visit with him. And I'm standing back there. I'm just a young teenager. And I'm just standing behind him. And he goes, knocks on this door. He tells me this afterwards. And he said, the guy probably will come out and be very mad, very angry. And he said, that's what the, guy, that's what the people in the church told him. But he was a man. He was a logger. And he had his own logging, he had his own lumber company. And they told him, they said, Pastor, Pastor Randy, will you go and visit so-and-so? He said, um, they just diagnosed him with throat cancer. And um, he's having a hard time with this. All he's known to work his whole life. And he's thinking about his wife and kids. So my dad goes and just takes it and doesn't think nothing about it, you know, and takes one of us with him. And he goes and he knocks on the door. He comes down and he goes, can I help you? My dad said, yeah, I'm, I'm Randy Franklin, I'm pastor at Bethel Baptist Church. He goes, what are you doing here? He said, How can, what, what do you need? And he said, well, he said, uh, Richard McEwen, a good friend of yours, asked me to come and see you. And he's like, for what? And he said, I, I understand you're not doing well. And that, he goes, I'm fine, I'll take care of it. And my dad, this is back in the days when you had clip-on ties. My dad undid his clip-on tie, unbuttoned his shirt, and pulled his shirt down. Because my dad had thyroid cancer. And, he, and suddenly, just like that, the whole conversation changed. My dad was able to lead that man to the Lord that afternoon. It took a while, but he was able to lead him to the Lord. You know why? Because my dad showed compassion. He knew how to get to the heart of that man. He understood, hey, I've been where you've been. It was going to be a tough, he had to get through the tough conversation, but all it took was just showing a little, just, hey, let me show you, I've been where you're at. And you know what that was? That was Compassion. Sometimes physical conditions can lead to spiritual conversations. I think about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, who is this Jesus? I just want to know what's going on. Jesus passed by as he says, hey, man, I'm coming to your house for supper tonight. I'm paraphrasing. He begins to pour out, man, I can't do this. I can't be saved. I can't. Hey, listen, you don't know what I've done. You don't know how I've stolen from this. And Jesus said, it's okay. And he begins to give the gospel to him. I think about the woman at the well. Everybody cast to the side. Want nothing to do with her. She thinks she just needs some physical water. He said, nah, you need living water. Jesus used physical conditions to, lead to, to get to a spiritual condition. Why should we show Christ-like compassion? Because I'll tell you why. Compassion, Christ-like compassion, when we show it, when we express it, it can change a broken heart into a healed heart. It can change a corrupt mind into a clear, pure thinking mind. It can change one's direction. In other words, one running from God that can run to God. When we show compassion the way Christ showed compassion, in other words, speaking the truth in love, 
it truly does make a difference. How can we be effective among the people? Realize what made a difference in our life. Respond to the needs of others with compassion. Number three, just champion the cause. Just champion the cause. What's the cause? Well, let's look. Verse 37. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. You know, I've been pretty kind the whole service. I've been trying to speak the truth in love. But in reality, we have a lot of Christians today that just sit on the sideline. We have a lot of Christians today that it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Instead of going over and bearing a burden with someone else. Instead of sharing the gospel with someone else. You take back and you're like, man, I'm so thankful for what God's done in my life. I'm, some, you need a testimony, preacher? I'll share a testimony. I'll share what God's done in my life. But going out those doors and sharing the gospel, that's for somebody else. I'm not that outgoing of a person. I, I, I'm, not a, I'm, I'm not a people person. I think God shot everybody down when we come to that conclusion of people saying, I'm not a people person. Because you look in Matthew chapter 28, what does he say? Not to anybody in general, to everybody. He says, Go. It's a great commission. We have no choice. He said, go. That's everybody. We're all people persons. He said, go. Go do what? Go share the gospel. The need is great. The labors are few. It's heartbreaking to think that there are Christians who will live their entire life and never share the gospel with one person. It's heartbreaking to think that Christians will live their entire life, some, and never share the gospel with one person. Let's think on it this way. Let's say today that you can choose how long you want to live. Say, I'll, I'll pick on me. I want to live 80 years old. I want to be 80 years old. Man, that's, that's, I, got, I got 40 more years, a little less. But let's say for me, I've been saved. I got saved when I was nine years old. Everything that I know about Christ and I know about the gospel. Let's say that I live to be 80 years old. You fill in the blank for your life. And everything that you know as a Christian about Christ, you're saved, you know it. Everything that you know about Christ, about the gospel. But let's say you live to be such and such years old, 80 years old, and you don't know Christ. And you live to be that age that you just picked. And no one ever shared the gospel with you. Think about that for a minute. Think about that. Think about if you did not know Christ and you lived to be 80 at the age where you're at right now or whatever age you choose and no one ever shared Christ with you. 
Think about that. It's hard to think about because you know Christ. You know the hope. You know the peace. You know the comfort he brings. You know everlasting life. You know what's to come. It's heaven. But think about the person that's out there that doesn't know. And yet, we sit back and we say, the labors are few. Amen! And to think you can live your whole life and never share the gospel one time with anyone. Christ says, they're out there. But who will go? Who will share? Who is really willing to be the one that will point someone to Christ? Years ago, when I was in Bible college, we had to read many different things. But we had this stack of books that we had to read. They were little pamphlets, and they were about different preachers. Um, some that, if I were to mention their names, many that if I were to mention their names, you would I've never heard of him, never heard of him, never heard of him, never heard of him, never heard of him. It was kind of one of those lessons that we had a class where I had to read several different books, and it was just on little pamphlets on preachers' lives and evangelists who traveled around and preached. And I, I can't even tell you who the preacher was. Let's go to show you. But I was reading this one pamphlet one time, and in this pamphlet, this evangelist was talking about his ministry and how he was going and he was preaching. Was, I do remember this. It was up in Kentucky. And uh, he was telling the story about when he went to this one place to preach a revival. And this story happened. And um, the story goes something like this. There was a guy named Sam Miller that lived in this community. As I, and I was thinking about this. My wife's heard me tell this story. And uh, now that I live in Jamestown, I, it kind of, I picture that it was a town like Jamestown. Because when, when you read this book and you read the story, it kind of gives you this feeling of a small town setting. But there was, this young, there was this man by the name of Sam Miller who lived in a small rural town. And um, he went about his routine every day. There was this one gas station. Everybody went to the gas station on their way to work. And everybody stopped in, got their coffee, got their snacks, and then went to the factory. Sam was this guy that was just in the community that uh, went about his normal routine. Same thing every day, every day, every day. And uh, one day he pulls up to the gas station, walks in. There's a bunch of guys sitting over in the corner. And uh, they're, they're drinking their coffee, eating their biscuits. And uh, they look at him. He's getting ready to check out. And uh, one of them hollered at him. They said, hey, Sam, come here. They said, hey, Sam. I said, yeah, what's up? He said, hey, did you notice the guy sitting out on the curb? Sam said, no. He said, he looked over. He goes, no, I didn't. I'd see him now, but I didn't recognize him. He said, uh, yeah, we hadn't either. He said, I'm not sure, uh, not sure who he is, but uh, somebody probably ought to ask some questions. He's like, all right. So Sam went, checked out, got his coffee, went out the door, and the guy was sitting there on the curb. He said, hey, how you doing? He said, good. He said, uh, Sam Miller. Reached out. He said, Sam Miller. He said, uh, my name's Jim. He said, how you doing, Jim? He said, doing good. He said, uh, what brings you to these neck of the woods? And he said, I, I'm just passing through. He said, uh, he said, you got family here? He said, no. He said, I, don't, I don't really don't have family. All right. He's like, uh, anything I can do for you? He's like, no. He said, I, I'm... He goes, if you're wondering, he goes, yes, I'm homeless. He goes, I'm homeless. And he goes, but I, he goes, I'll just, I'll be moving through. He goes, I just, I just happened to walk through here and saw this gas station. There's nothing else around town. So I just, I was just sitting here for a few minutes. And he goes, I don't want anything from him. He goes, no, no, no. He goes, it's all good. He goes, here. He goes, he reached in his pocket and gave him 15. He said, go get you a cup of coffee, man. He said, it's on me. And uh, he said, uh, hope you have a good day. Jim said, thank you. Appreciate it. Next day, Sam walks on. Next day, Sam comes to normal routine on his way to the factory. He walks in, except this day, Jim's sitting in the same, spa, in the same spot, 
Sam recognizes him. He looks at him. He says, uh, hey, Jim, how you doing, man? He goes, uh, Sam, right? Sam, Sam, Sam Miller. He goes, I'm doing good. He goes, how you doing? He goes, I'm doing good. He said, have a good night's rest. He goes, well, it was a little cold last night. He said, but uh, he goes, everything's good. He's like, uh, hey, come in. Hey, I want to get you coffee today. Come on in with me. Walked him inside. They went inside. They got him coffee. He said, hey, man, get you some kind of, you know, protein bar or something, whatever you want to do. I don't think they had protein bars back then, but it's an old story. But uh, he looked at me. He said, uh, get you something, man. He said, uh, it's on me. And uh, he said, appreciate it. And they walked out. Uh, Sam kept walking on. He said, hey, Jim, by the way, he's like, hey, here's a dollar. He's like, get you something the rest of the day, man. He said, good to see you. And Jim looked over at Sam. He said, good to see you, man. Thanks. Appreciate it again. That went on for about a week or so. Every day when he stopped in, he'd recognize him. About a week and a half, two weeks after the initial conversation, Sam's on his way to work. He comes around the corner, man, hits his brakes, sees all these red lights. He's like, man, what's going on? And he looks up in the distance. And there's a blue light and red lights and blue, I mean, tons of police, fire trucks. He's like, hmm. He pulls into the gas station. He goes in and they're like, hey, man, Sam, what's, Sam's looking around. He's like, hey, what's going on out there? He goes, like, we don't have a clue, man. We have no idea what's going on. He said, but uh, they won't let anybody get close. So Sam goes about his business, checks out, walks out. As he's going out to his truck, the chief of police come over to him. says, hey, Sam. He said, I need to talk to you. He said, yes, sir, what's up? You know, everybody knows everybody's small town. He said, uh, I've got to ask you a question. He's holding a backpack. He said, I've got to ask you a question. He said, there's a horrible scene over here. He said, someone's just passed away. He said, a guy got hit by a truck. And he goes, nobody knows who he is. And Sam instantly, the story goes, he instantly, he's like, who was it? And the guy pulls his backpack, opens it up, and there's this little matchbox inside. And inside that matchbox was one piece of paper and a pencil that had been whittled on. And he says, I don't know, Sam, but I want to show you something. And Sam instantly says, is the guy's name Jim? He said, well, that's what we come to a conclusion. When we opened the backpack, we found some identification. And he showed him a picture. He goes, I know that guy. He goes, yeah, that's what we want to show you. He said, inside of this matchbox is a piece of paper and a pencil. And on this piece of paper, and they open the matchbox, and they hand it to Sam. And it says, my one and only friend, Sam Miller. All those other guys that were sitting at the table, that wouldn't introduce themselves, wouldn't talk to him, Sam did. Sam turned around, dropped it, went back to his truck, and the story tells that Sam looked at him, and he's like, he told this preacher, this evangelist who wrote this in his book, he said, when I, when I sat in my truck, he said, I, did, I couldn't go to work that day because I thought, there's so much I wanted to say to that man I wish I would have said. I close with this. I asked the Lord to sincerely give me the message to preach today when Pastor Josh asked me to fill in for him. If you take notes in your Bible, maybe you do, maybe you don't, you'll see that I've already preached this message here. I preached it one year ago almost to the day. I've never done that before, anywhere I've preached. I've never re-preached. And that's not, I'm not bragging on myself, I'm just saying I've never done that. 
But this is the thought the Lord kept putting in my heart as I studied and I kept pushing it to the side. It's been 365 days. that we've lived among some of the same people in our lives. Some of the same people we see every day. Family, friends, coworkers, acquaintances. We've been among the people, many of the same. And we've come up with excuse after excuse after excuse. To fail to share the gospel. And all I could get in my mind, I couldn't, I just kept going over and over in my mind. Matt, I went in the cities, the villages, the synagogues. And I had one thing I wanted to share, and it was the gospel. It was the gospel, Matt. It was the gospel, Matt. What changed your life can change someone else's life, but you've got to want to have the hard conversations. I wasn't trying to be cute. I wasn't trying to be lazy in preaching the message again. But I think it's a great reminder for us all. He's placed us among the people. Let's not go another year and miss some of the same opportunities that he's given us this past year. To think of families that can be changed. To think of workplaces that can be changed. All because someone hears the gospel and it changes their life. To think of a community that could be changed. Because someone hears the gospel. She's not here tonight. Maybe she's watching. Last night, I was headed home. I'd been with our friends. Last night, I was headed home. Chris Fritz, by the way, pray for Brother Chris. He had surgery this week, and he's doing well. The soreness is there for sure. Brother Chris calls me. He had chapel in our Christian school. This mom who got saved last week, her kids go to our school. And one of the little boys, one of her sons, came up to Chris after chapel this week. And he said, Brother Chris, he said, my mom got saved this week. And Chris goes, that's awesome. He goes, you know what? I'm going to get saved Sunday. (laughs) He didn't say, Brother Chris, when I grow up, I want to be like my daddy and do this. He didn't say, this is what I want to be. He said, no, you know what he's thinking in his mind right now? I want to be saved. Mama's taught him what being saved is, what it looks like. What happens when you get saved? She's planted the seed. Because why? The gospel changes your life. It changes the way you think. It changes the way you live. Guys, living the Christian life is an exciting time in our life. 
Look around you. Look around you. He's placed you among the people. May God help every one of us tonight or this morning. Don't miss the next opportunity he gives you. Take advantage of it and share the gospel as you live among the people. Let's pray. This morning, I want to thank you for listening diligently. Thank you for letting me share my heart. I hope I didn't lose some of you when you started looking down saying, oh, he's just preaching it again. I really shared my heart. I really believe this is the message that God wanted for us today, all of us, me included. I wonder if you're here this morning. And as you're sitting there, as you sit and listen to the message, as you sit there and listen to the message, maybe the only thing that kept going over and over in your mind was the word, the gospel. What changed this lady's life? What's changed many lives in this room today? But you've never, ever accepted the gospel for what it really is. Maybe you're here this morning, you say, Pastor Matt, that's, that's me. Just like last week, someone took the time to share the gospel with that lady. Pastor Matt, that's, that's what I'm searching for this morning. As I sit there and I listen to you preach, that's what's missing in my life is the gospel. Maybe you're here this morning, you say, Pastor Matt, that's me. That's me. Would you just raise your hand and say, that's, that's me. The gospel is missing in my life. I've never accepted, I've never ever placed Jesus Christ into my life as Lord and Savior. That's me. Anyone like that, just raise your hand, right back down, put it up, right back down. Anyone? Anyone? Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Pastor Matt, I try hard, but I want to try harder. I want Christ to be magnified, as, as Brian said. I want him to be magnified in my life, whether it be by life or by death. I want to be that, I want to be that individual. I want, hey, listen, I want to be that laborer that he's searching for. I want to have those tough conversations. I need more boldness. I need more wisdom to when people ask me the questions, I can share the gospel. Here's the thing. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand today if that's you. I, don't want, I, I, I do care. I do care. My heart goes out for you. That's why I preach the way I preach this morning. I don't want you to raise the hand for me. Here in just a minute, we're going to open up the altars and if you want to come and ask God to help you with more boldness, more compassion, here's the truth. You don't have to ask him for the people. You live among the people. We live among the people. They're there. He's told us that. The harvest truly is plenteous. It's that the labors are few. I want to do this this morning. I want you to stand with me. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Brian is going to lead us in a song. No one's looking. I want to take just a few minutes this morning. We're not rushing, but I want to take a few minutes this morning. I want you to, if, if God's laid someone on your life, or if God, you just want to come and ask God to help you to be that laborer, the altars are open this morning. It's not about a certain number. It's not about getting a group of people here. It's just about you pouring your heart out to 
God and asking God to help you to be that laborer. As Brian sings, the altars are open this morning.